Welcome to Ponder Across the Ponds. This week we're exploring the topic of bullying. This is a topic that affects so many people and really most of us on a daily basis. So let's take this bull by the horns. Join us as we ponder, ponder across, across the, the ponds. ponds. Aloha, TJ. Aloha, Malcolm. And how are you this week? This week is, has been an interesting week. We decided to do the topic of bullying, and I actually witnessed some bullying uh, this week in my driveway, which I'll, I'll tell you about later. You witnessed bullying in your driveway? I did, and I wasn't going to stand for it, so I got in the middle of it. Can't wait to hear. So the topic this week is about bullying. Before we start, I'd say this every week, the sun's shining through your window. Do you ever get a day when the sun doesn't shine? It does happen. Yesterday, it wasn't very sunny in the morning. Everything just felt a little grey. It was very humid and there was no airflow at all. There wasn't really any wind. What was the temperature? Uh, the temperature is about 75 degrees all the time. Oh, um, I can never work out what that is in, <laughs> in English or in Scottish. <laughs> Do you want me to look it up? Yeah, go for it. That's about 24 degrees Celsius. 24 degrees Celsius. Rarely in Scotland do you ever get it. So that was a bad day. That was a an overcast, humid day for you. 24 degrees Celsius. In Edinburgh, as you probably gathered, TG's not in Edinburgh. TG's in Hawaii. I'm in Edinburgh, Scotland. In Scotland, the, the temperature yesterday was 12 degrees Celsius. And it was quite nice. So you had a bad day and it was 24. <laughs> There's no jealousy there. So annoying. Teaching yoga right near the beach in the morning. There wasn't enough shade. It was humid. I'm telling you. <laughs> Must have been absolutely awful. <laughs> I went out. It was actually last night and it was kind of raining a little. Uh, and it was a nice night, but it was kind of raining. But I forgot to take my hat and I'm, I'm not endowed with the best hair. I don't have any on my head. And it was sore. It felt like needles. It was so cold. The rain was so cold. It felt like I, was, I had loads of needles fired onto my head. Spring in Scotland. <laughs> I don't miss it. Don't miss it at all. I'm sure you don't. I'm sure you don't. Well, it's good to catch up on our podcast again. Uh, 7,000 miles across the ponds with me here in sunny Scotland. Well, not so sunny Scotland. And uh, TJ in very humid and sunny Maui in Hawaii. So this week, we're going to discuss the topic of... Bullying. Bullying. Now, I suspect a lot of people, probably most people, have experienced bullying at some point in their life. If they haven't experienced being bullied, maybe they were the bully. I think that's absolutely true, that we're all... We're on the receiving end of bullying sometimes, and sometimes we are that that bullying person too. We can we can all act at times like somebody that we don't necessarily want to be, but we're under emotional stress and, and that can be what happens. But we're going to explore the difference between an actual bully and bullying behavior, which we can all participate in sometimes. Great. So we'll start off with, would you like a Chinese proverb? 
Yes, I would. <laughs> Excellent. Which means because we're doing a Chinese proverb, go and get your gong out. <laughs> There's not many people I would say, go and get your gong out to TJ <laughs> without feeling terribly embarrassed. So, okay, <laughs> Chinese proverb. Those who bully the weak are cowards before the strong. Too true, Malcolm. Too true. Wise words. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's good. And Chinese proverbs are like. Well, I don't know. Are they not like thousands of years old? If not, they're hundreds of years old. And I've got a book of Chinese proverbs. Actually, I got it from a friend I used to work with. He got it cheap in a sale, and um, and he didn't want it anymore. And I said, "Oh, I'll have that." And uh, well, you remember it? I used to have it on my desk, didn't I, at work? And every time uh, we kind of got bored with work, I would say, "Let's pick out a Chinese proverb," and I'd randomly pick one, and they were always fantastic. That was some of my favorite memories in the office was going through the Chinese proverb book. So yeah, bullying those who bully the weak are cowards before the strong. And I think there's a lot to be said for that proverb, actually. And it kind of ties into what you were maybe saying earlier in that, you know, sometimes the bully is actually the weak. I think that's really true, that what makes a bully weak is that they're not willing to encounter their own vulnerability, which is where we find a lot of strength. So we're going to explore bullying and, you know, I guess, well, I suspect, TJ, knowing you, you've definitely never been a bully. So your experience and stories will probably be around situations where you've been bullied. And I've obviously had some similar situations uh, of being bullied, but I don't feel that I've ever bullied somebody, or at least I hope I haven't. Malcolm, I can't imagine you ever bullying somebody. It's just not, it's just not your way of interacting with people at all. Well, I'd hope not. I would hope not. Okay, so shall we do a definition? Have you got a definition of bullying, actually? Um, what I did find was a Hawaiian word for bullying. Um, oh, I love Hawaiian words. Humu humu nuku nuku apu aha. It's actually quite short, this one, and I hope that I do it justice in the way that I pronounce it. But I believe that it's pronounced a'ano. It's spelled A-A-N-O, and it's got the okina between the two A's. What's an okina? uh, An okina is like an apostrophe. So when you have, from what I understand, when you have two vowels together in the Hawaiian language, the same vowel back to back, you put an okina, and then you repeat that vowel sound. Right. So the the word for bullying is a'ano. The definition that I found for it was to be self-confident, to boast, to brag, an overbearing, arrogant, bold, defiant, daring bully. So that's a word for a bully. Yeah. A bully, which is interesting that it talks about like boasting of courage, because what we were just talking about was that bullies actually aren't courageous. They're more likely to be cowards in some way or another that's a interesting i mean i guess my definition is kind of similar i've got two i've got a blustering browbeating person especially one who is habitually cruel insulting or threatening to others who are weak smaller or in some way vulnerable which i feel is unfair because i don't feel often that people who are being bullied are actually weak 
but maybe they are perceived to be weak in the eyes of the bully. But generally speaking, and I have got, and I know um, from, you know, my daughter was bullied at school and she wasn't a weak person, but she was bullied for other reasons. But we'll come back to that maybe. And then bullying is an ongoing and deliberate misuse of power in relationships through repeated verbal, physical and or social behaviour that intends to cause physical, social or psychological harm. It can involve an individual or a group misusing their power or perceived power over one or more persons who feel unable to stop it from happening. It's a dreadful thing, isn't it? It is. It's There's absolutely a power dynamic that's going on that somebody feels like they have power over another person, whether it's socially or whether it's physically, there's a threat there that's happening that makes that person accept that bullying behavior. But there's other factors too. I used to say to my daughter, and somebody said that to me actually, because I had an, and and I'll I'll talk about that a little later on in the podcast, but I was in a situation at work uh, where there was bullying involved. And somebody said to me, all you do is you imagine the bully with no clothes on. And it was amazing. It worked because they didn't feel so threatening anymore. And I believe that we have to find these ways of mentally taking that power away from that bully. And I think possibly for me, it would be more imagining that person as like a young child. Like, what is that? What is that person's, you know, I don't particularly like to use the term inner child. That's not something that overly resonates with me but a more vulnerable part of ourself. What is that part of that person actually trying to say? And when you characterize somebody as a younger part of themselves, they don't seem as threatening, right? When we see little kids and they're really upset about something, that doesn't, that doesn't usually threaten us physically or emotionally or socially. We just think that it's kind of cute or maybe a bit annoying. So if we can take that person down into, um, you know, a younger version of themselves, I think that it can make them seem less intimidating and we can interpret more it as what that person's trying to say. I think that's true. I say I could imagine that old boss I had that uh, I felt was a bit of a bully. Uh, imagine him sitting behind his desk as a baby with a dummy in its mouth. Do you call them dummies? We call them pacifiers. Pacifiers in the in his mouth and uh, nappy, and you call them diapers. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, the sound effects are out again. The sound effects are Okay, so today's topic is bullying and bullies, and I have a quiz. Would you like to participate in the quiz, TJ? I'm ready. Right, so let's do the quiz question. Shall we do question number one? What percentage of under 25s have been bullied at some point? 30%. It's 54%. Ooh. Unbelievable. That is a lot of people under 25s. I guess that most of them probably school, college ages, 50% of school kids and college kids have probably been bullied. That's a shocking statistic. That's a huge percentage of people. My daughter was bullied at school, actually. And I remember going up to the 
head teacher to try and or the deputy head teacher uh, to try and stop it and it went on for quite some time and and we had two or three meetings and at one of the meetings the guidance teacher turned around to my daughter and said you know what you just need to toughen up a bit and it's like that's a shocking way to deal with an issue of bullying in in a school that's terrible to me that seems like it's enabling behavior and it's it's placing the responsibility on the person that feels powerless in the situation. It's not addressing the person that's actually creating the problem. Exactly. And that was the whole issue. I don't think they wanted to address the issue directly. So they tried to skirt around it. So let's do question number two then. What percentage of people go on to develop social anxiety and or depression as a result of bullying? 15%? 33%. Again, a very high percentage of people, 33% of people, end up with anxiety or depression as a result of some form of bullying. I mean, that's a third of the population. Exactly. I think the issue is it's, it's, it's endemic. And when you think about something, other potential ailments where a third of a population may have them, then something would be done about it. Absolutely. You would have thought that there would be more things put in place. And even though in the past however many years, bullying has become something that's more widely recognized in schools. The thing is, people don't tend to grow out of those patterns. They keep them with them. So that's not just happening in schools. People are then bringing that into the workplace. They're bringing it into the homes it is a completely widespread issue in our daily life. And that's why we really wanted to bring more of a spotlight to it. Yeah, it's interesting. I worked in a, a, a place where there was a guy who ran a department and he was just a kind of difficult person, actually. And he did have he did have bullying behaviours at certain times. And I remember somebody else in the office actually said to him, were you bullied when you were at school? Because, you know, the the bullied often becomes the bullier, which is a tragic thing, really. That's probably how people avoid anxiety and depression related to it, is that they then pass that on to other people. So it's a way of getting rid of that emotional energy, but then it just keeps moving on to the next person. You got to break the cycle. Got to break the cycle. Shall we do question number three? Hit me. What is the most common reason for someone being bullied, do you think? I'd like to have a clue, please. Oh, it's difficult to it's difficult to give you a clue, actually. If somebody had ginger hair, for example. Is it physical appearance? It is physical appearance. It's appearance. That is mm-hmm. the number one reason that people are bullied because of the way they look which is a bit of a shocker. You should never judge a book by its cover. Wow. And that's about as personal as you get, making people feel bad about their physical appearance. Exactly. The other two, uh, so that's the first one, appearance. Second one is attitudes towards an interest or a hobby that somebody might have if they have a kind of strange hobby. And third, an attitude towards the clothes they wear. That is interesting how it's very deeply personal things about somebody that it would it would be difficult to not um, internalize that 
negativity and to be able to see it from a different perspective when somebody is telling you that that's bad or it's wrong or it's something to be ashamed of. Yep. Yep. And it's into the appearance thing. And I've just thought of this and I've never thought about this since it happened, but it happened to me actually as an adult about 15 years ago, adult in a business environment I was at this thing, actually. So we were trying to, I had a little startup company and we were trying to raise money for it. And we had gone to this event where there were investors and stuff like that. And uh, so, you know, I mean, I'm just taking my headphones off. I've not got the smallest ears in the world, have I? But uh, so, but I'm fine with that. I'm totally cool with that. Uh, and of course, I've not got hair, you know, ears and no hair. It's quite, you, you can clearly see my ears. And I was talking to this guy, an investor guy, who was, I don't know, he was probably in his 40s. And, um, and, he, and he referred to me as FA Cup. Now, FA Cup, that's the Football Association. So basically, it's like a, trof- a football trophy. And, I, and at the time, I thought, am I actually hearing you saying that to me as a grown man to another? That's like what you would say, you know, in a playground if you were a bully. And and he was like a wealthy investor. And, you know, I think he was used to people bowing down to him. And I think I said, I, I see you're uh, still your same, you know, pleasant self. And, you know, the other people who were trying to raise money were kind of, did you really say that to him? And I was just thinking, well, yeah, of course I did, you know, because that, <laughs> that was really not a nice thing to say. Wow, that's unbelievable. And I think that demonstrates how people that feel that they have social power and influence that they feel that entitled to get away with that kind of behavior yeah and i but to us i just looked at him and i thought well i bet you've not got any mates you know or if you have got mates they're probably not like true genuine friends that's right because you the only way to to have real connections with people is to be a vulnerable person. And that's exactly what these bullies are running away from. Exactly. And, you know, I can hear things for miles <laughs> with those ears. It's amazing. I can hear the grass grow. Okay, TJ, so we set ourselves a challenge this week to think about either times where we have been in a situation that there has been bullying or where or where we've actually experienced bullying at that moment in time, so in the last seven days. So I don't know. Did you have a situation? I did. My voice. It's, just, it's like raspy and cracking. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> Must be the tequila last night. <laughs> oh. Oh, you're going to get such a reputation. (laughs) Must have been the tequila last night. I don't know. Living the Hawaiian dream, that's what you are. I had a hot chocolate before bed. Got a little little, uh, tied up with uh, my favorite uh, bar reopening and my favorite bartender being back. So, yeah, a little bit of recovery this morning. (laughs) Right. Anyway, right. <laughs> how are you feeling? I didn't even ask how you're feeling. Yeah, good, good, good. Okay, just your your voice is gone. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so your situation that you maybe experienced around bullying. Yep. So I think that uh, I think Maui, the island of Maui, knew that we were doing this podcast on bullying, and so it it sent a little incident to happen in my driveway this week, which was that there were some birds kind of fluttering around, and I'm going, I'm walking up to it. And I'm just wondering what's happening. I don't know if they're mating. You know, I thought maybe because there were about five birds Mm. and one was like watching and then there were two that were interacting with each other. A bird orgy. Well, I wasn't sure. So I walked up closer to it to try to figure out what was going on. And they were chirping and really loud. And when I got up closer to it, the birds actually look like they were being pinned down by this other bird on top of it. And then some there was a point where two of them were like ganged up on the one bird and they just had its like claws on it. And I didn't know at that point if it had actually caused any harm or damage. So I just went up and scared them away because I, I couldn't just walk by and not do something to try to help this bird I mean, I know they say you're not supposed to interfere with Mother Nature, but when I see any bullying like that, I can't I can't stop myself from trying to mm. help something that's in a helpless situation. Did you give the bullying birds a piece of your mind? <laughs> well, I stomped my foot at them. Did you? Did you? I'm glad you did something about it, though. I'm glad you didn't just walk by. And was the, was the other bird okay? They all flew away, so I guess that they were all totally fine. But it was it was a little bit disturbing to watch mm. because when you see that there's ganging up happening, and as a bystander, you know I think it's really important to get involved and to try to to do something in order to help. Because I believe that when you walk away from that kind of situation, you can't feel good about yourself if you haven't tried to do something to help exactly interesting uh, bullying story then (laughs) bullying birds i didn't expect that one i did not expect that one so malcolm did you think of any bullying incidents over the past week so i thought of an incident that happened to me in the past actually years ago i worked for um quite a big company actually it was a very very big organization and i worked for somebody who, and it's interesting because I, I I read a lot about bullying when my daughter was being bullied. It tells you how to, you know, if you were actually trying to challenge a bully and you were trying to challenge a bully in the workplace, it's, it actually said, you don't say you're, you're a bully. You would say you're displaying bullying behaviours. So you're not actually saying to the person that you're actually a bully. You're basically saying, look, what you've just done there displays a behaviour that a bully would probably do. Um, so the, so the the guy who ran the department, who was a director actually, definitely displayed bullying behaviours on a regular basis. So he'd have this meeting on a Monday with all his direct reports, of which he had 19. So that was a kind of sign that he didn't trust anybody because he had like everybody reporting into him. And we'd all get together in this big boardroom. It was a nice boardroom, big comfy seats and stuff, you know. And then he'd sit at the top of the table... And he'd go around the table, basically, what have you done this week? What have you done this week? And then he would stop at somebody and just 
tear them apart in front of everybody else. And it got to the point that everybody was sitting around that table thinking, please don't make it be me. Please don't let it be me. And it was just terrible. And and the straw that broke the camel's back for me was we had a meeting and we had put a bid in for lots of business. And we won all this business. It was worth quite a lot of money, like millions of pounds. And we had to go to his office to present what the bid was. And you weren't allowed to just knock on his office and tell him. You had to create a PowerPoint presentation and then make an appointment and sit down with them and go through the slides and stuff. And there was three of us that were going through the slides. And at the end of the slides, and we had sort of said, oh, we've made this, you know, X million. He said, well, I don't know about you, but that was a complete failure as far as I'm concerned. You've completely failed. You know, you've not done your job, blah, blah, blah. Then he got up from the table and went and sat behind his desk. And we were all sitting at this table thinking, right, okay, what happens now? And then we all walked out of his office with our heads down. And as we did it, I thought, I'm not going to work here anymore. I'm just not. And I started and I looked for another job. And after I got the job and I handed my notice in, uh, I told some of the guys that I worked with who were the people who sat around that table. And one guy in particular said, oh, that's amazing you've done that. I'm really envious, you know. I wish I could do that. You know, I'm really, really pleased that you've got out. And I said, well, just do the same. Just go and look for another job. If you're unhappy, don't stay in a place that's making you unhappy. And and he said, oh, yeah, but I've got a good pension. So, you know, I don't really want to leave. And I was thinking, yeah, but you might be dead in, you know, two years' time. What's the good of your pension if you're miserable until you're 65? I presume he's still working there, to be honest. It's a great story. And I think that that story reflects a lot of people's experience. And what do you what do you think are maybe some of the key reasons why people stay in that kind of situation? You know, like what made what's the difference between somebody like you who looks at that from a perspective and says, I'm not going to accept this behavior. And maybe there's a sense of you can't really change the dynamic of the office. You can't change that situation and leave versus somebody who chooses to stay and thinking that something is going to change. So I think that a lot of people who worked for who work for companies have worked there for a long. You know, if you've worked there for a long time, then perhaps you could be maybe slightly institutionalized. So the, the so there's a kind of fear of leaving and going somewhere else. And I know that there were some people who I uh, worked with who had maybe been at that company for quite a long time, and they ended up getting moved into this department and maybe they were older you know so maybe they were kind of thinking about retirement at some sort of point so they just put up with it so i don't know maybe in situation you know in some situations you know potentially you could have somebody who was running a company or running a bit of a business and they're being quite successful so they're making lots of money for for an organization so in the eyes of a board and the sort of senior leadership you know he or she is doing a great job and then i think they just maybe turn a blind eye to the methods by which he runs his department in order to bring all this money into the organization. So I, I I think it's a difficult thing because I think businesses are often about money, rightly or wrongly. And, you know, I've got my own views about, you know, how businesses should be run and what, you know, what's important in a business. But, you know, shareholder value and all these sort of things. And that's one of the reasons why I left some commercial organizations, because, you know, the focus was on trying to get the shares up. And actually, there's more to, you know, there's more to the world than 
making money for shareholders. But I think that's that's part of the driver. And then that maybe encourages these sort of behaviors. I think it raises the point of what are we valuing most? And of course, it's important to make money. It's important for kids to go to school and receive an education. Um, but at what cost are we taking emotionally? Just like your previous colleagues that they chose to stay for the financial gain or benefit. To me, that says that people are not valuing their emotional and and that definitely ripples into our physical health as well, how we're spending our time and energy. And that is obviously a personal decision for everyone. But I think that it is very important to to value these things because it affects how we're feeling on a moment to moment basis. Our daily experience of life is heavily based in our emotional support and the people that were around. Yeah. And I, and I, I often thought actually about this person that um, I worked for is what kind of issues have you got to make you feel that it's acceptable to treat other people in that sort of way? And, you know, nobody knows what goes on behind closed doors. Nobody, you know, you pass people in the street, you've no idea what's going on in their life. And and I often wondered if potentially he was under huge amounts of pressure to bring in business, for example. Um, and, and actually, maybe he was miserable. Maybe actually he was miserable in his job um, and was taken out on the rest of the staff. Absolutely. I think that's ultimately what does happen with people that are bullies, that there's maybe trauma that happened to them in the past, current stressors, and it makes them take that emotional distress out on other people around them. And it makes them feel confident, it makes them feel in control, and it alleviates this inner pressure that they're actually feeling all of the time. And that's not an excuse that it's okay for those people to do that. But I think it does explain the history of where that where that originates for people, why they start to engage in these bullying behaviors. It's releasing emotional pressure. It could be. And I was looking earlier on just doing some web searches on why people might use bullying and as a as a technique to get through work or school or whatever and uh, i came across something that said sometimes people use bullying as a tool to conceal shame or maybe anxiety or a way to boost their own self-esteem it's utilizing other people in order to make people feel good about themselves rather than feeling good about themselves because of who they are, from their accomplishments, from what it is that they're doing, that somehow that doesn't feel like enough for that person. And in order to connect with being happy within ourselves, we really have to get in touch with our our vulnerable side. But it can be very difficult to encounter that vulnerable side of ourselves because there's a lot of fear around it. There's a lot of feelings of right? Helplessness. Because when you put your vulnerable side out there and it's rejected, that's painful. That's a lot of painful emotions. And truthfully, everybody feels that. Everybody has demonstrated their vulnerable side to people 
and other people haven't been receiving or supportive of it. And in response, we learn how to build these walls. And when that becomes to such a degree that people don't know what to do with it, then they become bullies. And in order to keep that part of themselves protected, because they can't look at that part of themselves anymore. So they start directing all of their anger and frustration outward, making somebody else wrong, somebody else invalid, because that's how they feel internally. You need to find ways to deal with it. Even in a even in a work situation, you know, I think, what could you do? You know, you could have what have you watched The Office, that uh, sitcom, you know, you could you could put somebody's, you know, your boss's stapler in jelly or jello, I think you call it in the States. You know, I'd love to have done something like that. I really would love to have done something like that. <laughs> there was another thing actually we wanted to do in a in a this isn't actually to do with bullying, because this this boss wasn't a bully, but uh I think it was Maybe last Christmas, there was a a sort of secret Santa thing going on in the office, and somebody, maybe I even said, I said, "Oh, that what it would be a great idea. We could we could wrap up all of the boss's uh, stuff in wrapping paper or newspaper or something like that, like his calculator and his keyboard and his mouse and stuff like that. You know, that would have been hilarious. Imagine going into the office and finding that, you know, somebody had wrapped everything up and then, and, and people were like totally up for it. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. And I said, I said, you know what? I'm not sure he's going to find that funny. <laughs> it's a risk. And I didn't think it was a risk worth taking. That That was probably a smart move, but it would have been so tempting though to do it. Totally. Totally, you know, and I'm bad when it comes to stuff like that. You know, the jelly, the stapler and jelly, love to do that. I'd be, I mean, I would, I would do that in a minute. Really? That seems, I don't know. That seems more of a risk than wrapping things up in paper. No. Yeah, but it's just a stapler, you know. I mean, how funny would it be? You open your drawer and your stapler's in jelly. I'd find that hilariously funny. Uh, so, in terms of bullying, actually, I've got another thing that I've I read that studies have shown that envy and resentment can be motives for bullying. So that would be from a bully's perspective, they would either be envious of the position of somebody else, or they maybe resent the position that they're in. I think that's absolutely true because, like we discussed, the bully doesn't feel good enough within themselves there's a quality that they recognize in another person that they wish that they had for themselves and rather than finding that within themselves they'd rather take it out on that other person yeah i think that's that's true it's interesting though you see i'm going back to thinking about that guy that commented on my ears what was that about from from his perspective you know he was obviously not envious <laughs> of me it's this kind of strangest thing but i i think my guess is that what he immediately picked up from you was that you're a genuine people person and people like you because of your authenticity and genuity and he was jealous of that that would be my interpretation of probably what happened there and so because he felt like there was such a difference between like you and him that it's like he's trying to even the score by taking you down in some way. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm a nicer person than he was. <laughs> and he knew that. 
<laughs> yeah, and I knew it. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But that's interesting. And on the envy thing, uh, which is quite interesting, and I told you a little bit about my daughter who was uh, bullied at school, and, and I think the reasons were about people being envious of her because she was very sporty and very successful at sport and played a couple of sports for Scotland. She was really good at it. And I think that it puts you in a place where the spotlight is kind of on you and then it's easy for people to then take a pop at you. I mean, celebs are the same, aren't they? You know, they're they're on a kind of, they're on a, you know, film stars on a pedestal or whatever. And, you know, there's nothing that the tabloid newspapers like more than to knock someone down. That is absolutely bullying. And we never think about maybe stars, um, famous people being bullied, but they're absolutely bullied by the paparazzi. And I guess because people that are famous have so many benefits and you know they're very well off that people find it difficult to maybe relate to them as much so perhaps they don't care as much that they are being bullied by the paparazzi they have more means to deal with it but personally I do I do think that it is an invasion of that person as a human being their space their emotions all of that that I think it would be a good thing if that wasn't so supported. And I think that it probably is because they have what so many people wish that, or what so many people think they wish that they had in life. And it must be, I think, dreadful to be in the public eye in that sort of position. Paparazzi outside your door every day, you've not got your life to yourself. Um, you know, and opening the papers every day, not really knowing what's going to be said about you. And I think my kind of feeling is a lot of newspapers think we're just going to write this about this person. And if we get sued, then they, it's a balance, isn't it? Uh, how much is it going to cost us if they sue us? And how many newspapers are we going to sell? It, it comes back to the the business thing, doesn't it? Like where priorities are being placed. Is it is it money and you know, attention that the newspapers are getting? Or are we valuing people's well-being, people's emotional state and their right to privacy? Yeah, I heard a story actually about somebody, a celebrity, and I'm not sure the exact details of the story, but I think they saw the paparazzi hanging about outside somebody's house and they said, what are you doing? How can you live with yourself? You know, like pestering this person. It's not great. And, And the guy from the paparazzi basically said, well, you know, I just removed myself from it all and I just don't think of them as being human. And it's a dreadful, I mean, that's a dreadful thing that you you would put yourself in a position where you don't think of the human side and the, the impact that it has on somebody. That's right. And that is what's happening in bullying, that the bully stops seeing the humanity in that other person. And I think that to me, the worst part about all of it is that people allow it to go on. People are allowing bullying behavior to happen. They're not standing up and doing something against it because a bully doesn't really have all that much power on their own. They're very susceptible to social and societal influence. And most of the time, people aren't standing up to that bully in that way in order to get them to stop. You know, people are reading those newspapers. People are buying them you know, they want to see it. They have witnesses, they have viewers, and that is fueling the bullies. Yeah, I agree. You don't want to give positive 
attention in terms of egging it on. And you also don't want to give resistance either because that will also fuel what it is that the bully is doing. But if you approach it in a way that's saying, you know, this behavior isn't acceptable and it's not going to be tolerated in more of a calm tone, then I think that it's much harder than for for that bully to keep engaging in that behavior that they are. A friend of mine worked in a company. It's completely changed now, but at the time it was not great. And one day she was in the office and there was shouting going on at the other side of the office. And there was somebody, a senior member of staff, and they were shouting, pointing their finger in front of the whole office at this young girl. And for me, it's like, why would you think that was an acceptable way to behave? Do you think that person went back to their desk and thought, well, I told them a thing or two and f- felt proud of themselves? Just like, nothing to be proud of. And surely I, I would feel absolutely dreadful if I was in a situation like that. I've definitely been on the receiving end of that kind of behavior. And I think that what changed for me is that I never felt like I should be treated that way. And I wasn't going to accept it. But I think I also didn't necessarily know how to defend myself against that kind of behavior. I didn't know what parts of the behavior I should accept or not accept. or, And that was something that I actually had to learn over time was that somebody could request something of me and ask me to do something, but that people didn't have a right to demand of me to do something and to do it in such a way that was a very negative or blaming uh, tone as if I had done something wrong. And even if I had done something wrong, I do have a responsibility to correct that, but I don't have to accept being spoken to in such a way. And maybe that's the case for other people too, that they feel like maybe they've done something wrong and they're not sure to what degree they should be accepting that behavior from somebody. I feel that just don't accept that sort of behavior because who are they to treat you in that sort of way? I know it's easy to say that, but when you're in that situation, it's probably quite difficult. I think it is. I think it takes time in order to be able to find your own boundaries around it. And that's really what it comes down to, creating your own boundaries of what you'll accept and what you won't accept, whether that means leaving a situation entirely or seeing if there's ways that you can change or adapt it. The important thing is to not feel disempowered in the situation because when you are in a situation where you're being bullied, you can't help but feel disempowered to feel helpless, to recognize what you can do in order to get yourself out of it or to change it and and not give up on that either because sometimes it, it does take time to make that transition. Yeah, I think the thing that you need actually to stop the bullies is you need a big brother. Thankfully, I've got a big brother. And I remember at school, there was a guy, he was he was the school bully, total school bully, looked like a school bully and acted like a school bully. He lived around the corner and, he, and I think he decided that he was going to start to try and pick on me. We lived quite close. And on reflection, I've had too many experiences of bullying, haven't I? You didn't realise that before, <laughs> no, did you? Yeah, totally, totally. No wonder I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so so yeah he was like total school bully total school bully and decided he wanted to pick on me and can't really remember what happened to be honest so it wasn't that bad 
but it could have spiraled out of control. And I told my brother, and I didn't expect him to be like this, but he was like, I'm not having that. I'm absolutely not having that. And we were out one day. So the guy came around the corner and I couldn't believe him. My brother ran after him and, and grabbed him. like, And, and he kind of held him down. You know, he pulled his, his, his back down so that his bum was sticking up. And then he said, OK, Malcolm, kick him in the bum. So I kicked him in the bum. <laughs> and it was amazing. Never bullied me again. Never bullied me again. He totally avoided me, you know. And I thought, kudos to my big brother. <laughs> you just got to kick them bullies in the bum. So one of my best friends uh, back in Scotland, uh, her dad told me this story and her dad has some of the, the best stories ever. And um, he's he's one of the nicest men that I've, I've ever met, like truly such a, a genuine, caring. He's such a genuine, caring person. And he told the story how one day he was walking down the road with his wife, my friend's mom. And they live out in the country and there's this bull that comes up to him and the bull is like basically about to like charge them and run into him. And this super nice, caring, really kind person, he takes the bull by the horns and shoves it. No. Did he really? He did. He took that bull by the horns and shoved it. And... The bull was off. That was it. He wasn't interested in taking on that fight. That is very brave. I know a farmer who kept cows and bulls and he said he he would never turn his back on the bull. He would go in the field, but he would never turn his back on the bull because he just never knew what it was going to do. Well, kudos to your friend's dad. That's really very brave. And so it goes to show you, sometimes with bullies, sometimes you got to take it by the horns, sometimes you got to kick it in the butt. Exactly. So that kind of wraps this up, I think. I think we've had a good conversation about bullying. I do have one final quote, actually, and I'm not entirely sure if it means anything, but it was a, it was taken from the Chinese proverb book. Thank you very much. Courage is fire. Bullying is smoke. Do you know what that means? I have no idea. Say it once more. Courage is fire. Bullying is smoke. That makes sense. Well, that's, that makes sense. It's just like, do you know what that means? That makes sense. I could say that. And it's just like, I still don't know what it means. Oh, that makes sense to me. Because courage means you're actually going to see something through. Whereas bullying being smoke is that, right, once you take the bull by the horns or once you kick it in the butt, it's gone. Courage keeps standing up over and over and over again. And that's what it takes. And, and you have to root down in your vulnerability as a person. That's where your courage actually comes from. And that's what makes people that connect with their vulnerability stronger than any bully out there. Amazing. Good. It was pretty good that you just made that up from that single quote. But you got to love the Chinese proverbs, though. Okay, so that was good, TJ. I enjoyed that little chat. I'm not sure if we came to any great conclusion, apart from the fact that probably... The bullies are the ones who are insecure and they're the ones with the problems. And when it actually comes down to it, the bullied are the ones that are going to survive. We're the strong ones. We're the ones with courage. 
we can hear the grass grow at 10,000 feet. <laughs> well, I can. That's right. We're better We're better together in this if we all unite our efforts against it. Exactly. So don't put up with the bullies. Either face them head on or just leave and go and get yourself another job where it's much more pleasant. Okay, so that was great. That was great. It was nice to catch up again this week. Any plans for your day? Your plans are always the same, aren't they? It's like, well, I think I'm going to go to the beach. Maybe have some more Mai Tais. Maybe some shots with my favourite barmaid. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not denying it. <laughs> so that is your day. That's, every day is like that. Okay, well, listen, have yourself a lovely day. Um, and we shall catch up next week. Okay. Thank you for the chat, Malcolm. And we always like to end our podcast just as we begin them. So just as aloha means hello, it also means goodbye. Aloha. Aloha.